0: You are listening to a paid commercial program. The opinions expressed are solely those of the program producer or sponsor and not those of NRG Media, LLC. This is America's Healthcare Challenge on the Mighty 1290 Coil, the Mighty1290Coil.com, and the Mighty 1290 Coil mobile app. America's Healthcare Challenge is produced and sponsored by E.D. Bellis. Now, here's your host, Sean McGuire. Hey,
3: and welcome to America's Healthcare Challenge. Hope you're having a great weekend or week so far. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen to the program, whether you're listening live on the Mighty 1290 Coil, our app, or later on our SoundCloud page. We appreciate it. 402-342-1290 if you would like to join the discussion. Going to be having an awesome program this week, as we always do, but we've got plenty to talk about. Number one, we had a caucus last week or 10 days ago, and we're going to have those uh, those numbers. We'll break those down, and then we had some more uh, town hall type uh, debates going on, and we're going to uh, talk about whether or not healthcare was c- included in those discussions, because obviously it should. And our main story of the week is going to be nearly 13 million people enrolling in ACA plans for 2016. We will break down those numbers here coming up very, very shortly. But the thing that caught my attention th- this week is whether or not we're actually uh, making the numbers work with this law and our healthcare system, and the reason why is I'm looking at a story on NPR this week that uh, was interesting because it was the the head of the California Exchange, the largest state-run healthcare exchange. And I remember most of them decided to do a federal-state partnership when they looked at how hard it was to pull off the infrastructure required for putting. Uh, these things together, major technology costs. We saw the aftermath of healthcare.gov, how the federal government didn't even get it right. Well, many states obviously couldn't get it right either. When when you look at many state-run government websites, you would probably understand what I'm talking about. But the California exchange chief ripping United Healthcare for Obamacare excuses. We've talked about this before, how the largest health insurance company in the country— and again, these these companies are getting bigger and bigger, are wondering whether or not they're going to continue in the uh, the uh, private or the uh, health insurance marketplace. And the reason why is because it's very very expensive, and many people are turning out to be not quite as healthy as they had hoped. And one of those reasons is because the people that are making middle class incomes are deciding not to take a look at these exchange these exchange policies because they're becoming a little bit more unaffordable over time, the networks are getting smaller and their deductibles continue to go up. Anyways, the chief of the California Exchange actually in a pretty interesting blistering critique said United Healthcare has made a serious blunders on net rates and networks that's led to a 475 million dollar loss. That that's what they're saying. And his argument is, well, they put together very generous provider networks. They put together uh, their premiums were, I think, more higher than others out there. And so it kind of made me, as I was thinking, as I was preparing for this show, wonder, is there a, a positive outlook for this at all for the American taxpayer or the American consumer? And the reason why... I'm asking this, and this this story uh, just kind of really provoked this discussion. And again, you're welcome to, to join it at any time. But when we have the largest health insurance company losing $475 million on individual policies across the country, they're expecting to lose $500 million next year. They sat out the first year. And they're publicly traded companies on Wall Street, so they have fiduciary liability and duties to their stockholders to make as much money as possible. And, again, I got no problem with that. But at the same time, it's at the uh, behest of many American consumers. The reason why they lost is, again, because they had high provider networks, which are good for healthcare consumers. (laughs) We saw the debacle that happened here locally when you couldn't go to a certain healthcare provider over it because of a network dispute. And so the way that they can make more money according to this article and it's true is the only way they can really do it is charge people premiums, higher premiums. They can have higher deductibles and they can have narrow networks. That's how an insurance company essentially in the future under these individual policies I think are going to go in that direction, and that's how they're going to make money. And then they're probably going to try and uh, negotiate for lower uh, rates uh, or lower uh, reimbursement rates for for providers. And so uh, at this point, I, I'm i going to pose this question to the audience, and then I'm going to bring in Alan here briefly before we uh, take our first time out. But I want to pose the question to you is, um, if this happens, um, are these companies going to, to fail? They're all losing money. They're all looking... At whether or not they're going to uh, continue moving forward, are they going to be able to, to be sustainable if they, they decide that they can't do it or the numbers, which we're going to break down here in the next segment, Alan? If they can't make the numbers work, is this basically going to
4: be a single payer system?
3: Well, I, I, are we going that way? Are we getting close to? Oh,
4: I again, I have to think that uh, when. when- you know united healthcare is saying one thing and uh your uh other companies are saying another and you've got this uh guy out in california ripping them a new one saying uh you know that they're driving me bonkers because united fed has fed this political frenzy that obama doesn't work it's total spin unanchored in reality well it may be unanchored in reality because the cost that united is charging their customers are one thing but at the same time dude they're all losing money so apparently this guy has no understanding of uh, un- understanding of economic realities and how you know you're supposed to be wanting to make money right you know but at the same time you know you have to watch your bottom line and you know coming back from the break you know i also found another story that talked about how you know, when the Republicans talk about opening up insurance across state lines, uh, that could open up a whole nother can of worms. Right. And right. so what is the real solution? I don't know that anybody has the right solution. And so are we going towards single-payer? I don't know. I, I tend to believe at some point if the system implodes on itself, yeah, we probably will be going down that path because that's the only solution that would be out there. There and, is one candidate in the race that is an ardent supporter of single-payer. Well, yeah, because he's the only Democratic socialist in the race. Yeah,
3: but the thing is, if Obamacare doesn't work, and and, th- and all the, indications are it's not, and and the interesting thing that that I saw is we're subsidizing a marketplace that doesn't work. That's kind of where where these insurance companies that that's where where they're at right now. And I think wh- why we saw this massive consolidation was they rec- recognized that this wasn't going to be. Mm-hmm. It's maybe almost a loss leader and hope that they can get people on Medicare supplement plans. You know what I mean?
4: Yeah, and, you know, it's one of those things where, okay, if you're one size, you might not get bailed out. But if you're too big to fail and you fail, does the federal government have to bail them out? I know that there are some candidates who are saying no, but I think, you know, most Americans and most people might say, well, you got to bail them out because... At some point, you know, what happens to the private system?
3: You mentioned one candidate is against it. I mean, this is going to be a major discussion that's going to happen now. I mean, this is going to, it, it has to happen. Because in 2017, this reinsurance fund that goes to these insurance companies expires due to the Affordable Care Act. And there's a, a tax in the law to, to pay for this reinsurance fund. And the reason they put it in there is they knew that the first few years of Obamacare enrollment was going to be uh, expensive because the people, you know, they're covering people with pre-existing conditions. And I think both sides are on record as being in favor of that, right? Right. So the reality is all these companies are losing. And then there's this reinsurance fund that pays these insurance companies for the super expensive cases. I think they pay them, reimburse them over, almost 80%. Yes.
4: Yeah.
3: And now that goes away, though, in 2017. And so the the question will become how expensive will these policies get? How many people will just stop getting insurance? And, and you know, will this thing sustain itself over time?
4: Mm-hmm. Well, and, you know... In that same article, I found it interesting. There was a health policy researcher at the Urban Institute who said that they need to impose stricter rules for special enrollment. And he also said that cons- he had concerns over affordability have hampered the enrollment because some middle-class consumers are put off by high premiums and large deductibles. No kidding. Are you – I mean, for, for a researcher to actually research, if they just listened to our show <laughs> – they would have found that out on day one for crying out loud. I know. Why do they even bother
3: trying to write curriculums uh, around ACA and and all of that stuff? Because we can just uh, all they have put to do is together. listen to our show, man. Yeah, or our SoundCloud page. Yeah. And I think we're going to be doing an audio version of a, a binge listen. Everybody binge watches these uh, Netflix shows or things as they come out. Well, we've been about to release uh, season four. All, all of them at the same time. So if you really want to get caught up on what's happening, you're going to have to look for that here in the next 10 days. This is America's Healthcare Challenge. We'll be back right after this. you like being the smartest person in the room? Go to healthreformexplained.com and learn about being a licensed E.D. Bellis
5: Healthcare Consultant. Know enough about Obamacare to be dangerous because you'll be personally trained by me, Sean McGuire. Click healthreformexplained.com. Are you a business owner seeing your bottom line squeezed by rising healthcare costs? I'm Sean McGuire and I founded E.D. Bellis Healthcare Consulting to provide health reform consulting so that your business does not get caught off with all the uncertainty in Washington. I was there on Capitol Hill when the Affordable Care Act, otherwise known as Obamacare, was created, and I have read the entire bill. Let me guide you through the maze of the American bureaucracy as you adapt to changing government rules and regulations that will impact your organization regardless of size. I offer custom services, including cost reduction strategies, training seminars for you and your employees, and strategic planning to help you prepare for the future. Regardless of what the Supreme Court decides, this issue is here to stay. Contact me today for a free consultation at www.HealthReformExplained.com. That's www.HealthReformExplained.com. At E.D. Ballas, we know healthcare.
2: depressed or angry is your child or teenager acting out healing tree counseling wants to help located at 10th and dodge healing tree offers individual family and couples therapy bill and laura are exceptional at working with children and adolescents ask around they have a great reputation healing tree accepts most insurance companies they offer flexible payment plans and are confidential their personalized service and unique office sets them apart from larger agencies visit healingtreeomaha.com for more information
0: Join the conversation at 402-342-1290 or at 800-577-1290. Once again, direct from the American heartland, here's your host, Sean McGuire.
3: With Alan Hager riding shotgun, this is Sean McGuire. You're listening to America's Healthcare Challenge. Had a great night last night, Alan, up at the Omaha Press Club roasting, um, Tom O'Connor, and everybody's like, who is that guy? Well, he is the the person that makes PR happen over at UNMC, and uh, anytime you see uh, one of their fantastic uh, healthcare providers and educators over there, per- chances are Tom had something to happen. But, by the way, I would encourage you to check out the Omaha Press Club for the best view in town. You've been up there, totally. haven't you, Alan? Yes, I have. You can't, can't get any can't, better than that place. Can't get any better, and the
4: food is amazing, so...
3: We've got Patrick here on hold. We're going to go to him in a second, but I want to set up the stage, Alan, with uh, this top story that we have for the week, Healthcare Policy and Marketplace Review. Interesting blog. Just stumbled across it this week uh, on the wires, but this came out on Monday the 1st, the day after the uh, open enrollment ended. Why the 2016 open enrollment stalled. The big unwritten story about Obamacare, how unaffordable it is for the working and middle class. And I sent that
4: over to you. Check out did you get a chance to oh, look at that? Yes, story? I did, and it was uh very interesting because uh what it what the whole in, in a real quick nutshell is it's you know they promised this thirty million people would sign up. Well that's not actually happened, it's more like about eleven. And they talk about why haven't so many people been signing up for it and it has to do with the cost uh as well as and, and people are willing to pay the penalties associated with it because they're not that heavy-handed yet. And uh, Bob Lazuski goes into great detail in this article at healthpolicyandmarket.blogspot.com, and so I would advise all our listeners to jump on there and read it.
3: Yes, and uh, the, the reason that caught my attention was he put in through healthcare.gov, and he cites it here, and, and he uses in examples of several cities, but Omaha was one of them. And he put in a family of four, mom and dad age 40, but they make enough money just to not make uh, subsidies. They have two kids. And in Omaha, Nebraska, the cheapest bronze plan was $725 a month with a $12,900 deductible uh, and out-of-pocket maximum. That's for the, the bronze HSA plan. Uh, if that's uh, too uh, Spartan for you, you can upgrade to the Silver plan and only pay nine hundred and twenty-six dollars a month with the seven thousand. Who the hell has that type of money laying around to buy insurance? I know I don't. Eugene, Oregon is cheaper actually. Their their lowest was six sixty, uh, but it was a ten thousand dollar deductible, twelve thousand seven hundred out of pocket. So we're starting to see a trend develop here, uh, Alan. Yeah. And it looks like we have a, a caller on the phone. Now, Patrick, uh, thanks for taking the time to call into America's Healthcare Challenge, 402 342 1290. By the way, we do have a line open, but you wanted to share some information with us, Patrick.
6: Yeah, sure. Sean and Alan, an interesting topic. I'll try and keep to the facts here. I was in the business for 31 years, an uh, uh, independent agent. I I can name these companies. I'm now retired, but uh, the New- when I was putting business through the New York life, the John Hancock and the Prudential—they uh, literally, literally stopped selling health insurance uh, because they were losing many, many millions of dollars, and they were raising their rates 12, 13, 14 percent a year. Now, this is the real world. In other words, um, they were they were charging higher premiums every year to the rate of three or four times the consumer price index, which was. You know three to four points they were not making any money they were losing okay now those those are selfish self-centered insurance companies my dad number two sat on the board of directors at mutual united of omaha at one time they were the largest health insurance company in the world okay in the world and they literally were, uh, the last eight years that they sold health insurance, and they got out of the business, Sean and Alan, they were losing many millions of dollars, and they were able to keep it quiet, frankly, and my dad has passed. They so sold that say, book of know.
3: business to Coventry, didn't they?
6: Yeah. Yeah, and they went into the, went into the real estate business. All that real mm-hmm. estate that's gone on down there in 30th and Dodge was right. one of the... The, the ways for them to try and make money in other, in other areas that they had no actuarial expertise. But I'm not trying to stick up for the insurance companies, but these, these insurance companies, believe me, they know every trick in the world when it comes to making money. There's an issue called lag where they'll hold on to the, the payment for services rendered by doctors and, and hospitals. Mutual was, was great at it. They were still losing their A's. Now, the reason I'm calling is this. If these insurance companies couldn't make any money, and they did not, how can we practically expect the United States government to get the job done? It isn't going to happen, and we all know that. And I don't care if you're a Democrat, Republican on the far left or the far right. One solution, maybe it should be on the table, it's not going to solve everything, but it would help, would be for people to do the following. Be able to write their premiums off just like you do on the interest on your home, okay, for your mortgage, and on any health ex- expenses that they may have, possibly writing them all off so you could get by. But I take one example, and the nuns will throw this out. I appreciate your patience here, but I'm not exaggerating on anything I've said. I, I uh, dislocated my finger two years ago. I went to the med center. They popped it back in, and you know what my bill was? And I've got it to prove it. What was it? A little over ten grand. Jeez. Okay, it was dissipated in two places. They didn't put a cap. They popped it back. Put a couple <laughs> needles in me, and I've got the bill to show it. Uh, this is what's going on out there, and the system is totally—it's broken. It's out of control, and and frankly, uh, I was in the game for thirty-one years. I don't have all the answers.
3: Well, and the thing is, if you don't pay, then you get shipped out to collections immediately, too. Very
6: good. You ruin mm-hmm. your credit, and they—they they, you look bad on paper. So, uh, wh- wh- I, like I said, this isn't going to solve it all, but if you could write those doggone premiums off, write your, your health insurance cost off, it may give us a little bit of relief. Yeah, I know the federal government isn't going to get that money in your taxes. You know what? I don't care, personally. That's good, okay? (laughs) So think of it that way. So I'm not calling to solve the problem. I'm, I'm looking at it realistically. But that's what's going on in the business world. They're not making any money. They didn't for a long time. Mutual United of Omaha, and I dare them to challenge me over the last decade, has lowered their employee base by 25%. Right, the main reason because they want they went out of the health game. It ain't Wild kingdom anymore, Merlin Perkins. Okay, they were They couldn't make it. Uh, I guess I'm being redundant, repetitive, but bear with me. How in God's name does any thinking person think that the government is going to solve the problem? Well, and Patrick,
4: that, just look at the VA system. And how really broken capital. is that? I mean, yeah. the government can't do anything right.
6: Yeah, look at Medicare and Medicaid payments. Yeah. Uh, we're going into debt there. And I, I'm a strong capitalist, but I don't like caps and balances. But perhaps uh, uh, someone back in D.C., which is broken badly, <laughs> needs to consider putting some sort of a cap uh, on what. Uh, i hate i hate to say it nobody's gonna like it what these doctors and hospitals can charge and that'll frankly put a lot of them out of business but it, it may slow it down a little bit but uh it's it's a very serious problem and i've not i haven't met anybody yet that's sharp enough to know how to fix it how's that for for being blunt with you but i appreciate your program i just wanted to call in it just a guy that was in the game for a while, and that's that's how I see
3: it. Hey, Patrick, thanks so much for sharing your expertise. Well, mm-hmm. You should come in and join us sometime. That would be a good time to talk about this more in well, depth.
6: This, this Irishman would like that. I'd All enjoy right. it.
3: All <laughs> right, that sounds good. Thank that sounds care. good. Bye. But All Patrick right. raised a, a fantastic point, and what that is, Alan, t- to me is, okay, if the government does get into this business, um, what's going to – what's going to happen to taxes?
4: well i think well if if it's bernie sanders who got elected we would all be paying 90% because for all of his crazy programs you know we're talking about maybe i think i've heard estimates of like 19 trillion more dollars well i'm sorry but the middle class is going to have to pay something on that if that's the the ramifications and what's crazy is i was in a facebook or a twitter war the other day about this and the person said The middle class is going to have to pay up. And I'm sitting there thinking to myself, you know what? You're crazier than crazy because the middle class already pays. The middle class gets bent by both sides, both the poor and the rich. And so the fact that this person is not realistic in their thought process, give me a freaking break. We pay way too much already. And I'm not going to pay for his stupid programs because he doesn't have the right economic approach what what's going to happen
3: to private school rates if, if public tuition is free are they going to go up even more too yeah
4: so it doesn't they'll really stop doesn't stop the student loan no problem no because they'll still go to private school there people there will still people people wanting to go to Harvard and Yale and Tiffin University and all of these private schools so you know it doesn't do anything about the for-profit institutions either that are preying on the poor
3: right right Hey, much more to talk about here on America's Healthcare Challenge. Uh, coming up on the second half of the program, we're going to debate whether or not um, these drug companies should be able to advertise. I can't stand why, This is a Super Bowl, over under, Alan, how many drug ads are there going to be during the game? I'm willing to say 10. Yeah. So that and much more of your calls when we come back, 402-342-1290, back right after this.
1: Shaw McGuire and HealthReformExplain.com. maybe it's time for his team to assess your company's situation. We have innovative strategies to help navigate this new maze created by the Affordable Care Act. For more, go to HealthReformExplain.com. Research shows moving is one of the most stressful events in a person's life, but thanks to Two Men in a Truck, it doesn't have to be. They have everything you need to move, a courteous professional staff who will customize your move, which includes a no obligation estimate, a schedule to fit your convenience, and all the necessary packing supplies. And Two Men in a Truck will help you watch your budget too. Don't stress, let Two Men in a Truck handle your home or business move. Go to twomeninatruck.com. Two Men in a Truck selected Best of Omaha for nine years straight with an A-plus rating from the Better Business Bureau.
0: You are listening to America's Healthcare Challenge on the Mighty 1290 Coil, the Mighty 1290 Coil.com, and the Mighty 1290 Coil mobile app. Once again, here's Sean McGuire.
3: Welcome back to America's Healthcare Challenge. You know, one of the uh, arguments that drug companies will make is they only spend a fraction of their budget on advertising. Uh, and they. They say it's just a fraction compared to what they spend on research and development, and I totally get that there is a lot of money that goes into the science of putting together a drug that solves, a, solves an important medical problem, and I'm, hey, I'm all for it. But uh, have you noticed that drug prices are completely out of control lately? And so even if they're only spending 10% of their budget with the
4: prices going up like they have lately, that's why you're probably seeing so many of these drug commercials. Well, that and you know, there's only two countries in the world that allow direct-to-consumer advertising of prescription drugs: United States and New Zealand. And if you really want to think about it from, think about the the drug uh, for AIDS uh, patients, HIV patients that went up what was 7,500 percent, and the guy testified this week in front of Congress, and. Didn't really answer anything. He pled the Fifth Amendment. Oh, yeah. What what was that guy's name? Martin Shkreli. A, and he brought a drug company, right? And yeah. How much did he raise the price by? Seventy five hundred <laughs> percent per pill.
3: Per pill. Yeah. And you wonder why healthcare costs are so expensive. But the story that you sent over, and then we're going to take a couple calls here. Hang tight, there, gentlemen,
4: uh, on hold. Uh, the AMA voting to get rid of.
3: What was that? Uh, uh, the
4: votes to ban prescription drug commercials. So what the AMA uh, board chair, uh, Patrice Harris, said is that the vote reflects concerns among physicians about the negative impact of commercially driven promotions. So basically what she's saying is all of these commercials are only driving traffic to these specific drugs that are being advertised, not to other drugs that are out there that might actually be better for the patient. But the patient sees the ad for say Jubilea on television, and that's what they want. They don't want anything else, let alone the generic, which is probably a third of the cost. Uh,
3: one example is the purple pill, not that purple pill, but Nexium. Yep. Uh, looks just like that microphone cover, uh, actually, <laughs> uh, which is kind of funny, but uh, the same thing is available over the county in, in Prilosec. And when you look at the cost, I think Nexium, if you had to pay cash without insurance, was. I mean, it's over a hundred bo- hundred bucks almost to, to for the push. bottle. Yeah. yeah, yeah,
4: yep. And Prilosec is like ten dollars. So why would you buy? You know, come on, people, wake up! If there's an over-the-counter prescription, use it. Don't necessarily always gravitate towards the other, and definitely use generics.
3: Well, Rich wants to share a, a patient perspective, and then Jim's up next. But we do have one line open, 402-342-1290. Lots of people wanting to uh, to chime in here this afternoon. Uh, Rich, welcome to the show. How are you? Hello? Rich? Yes, Rich. Yeah, I'm here. What's going yeah. on? What's on your mind?
7: Well, se- se- several things. Um, I've been diabetic for like 47 years, and I was always on um, uh, a group health insurance, and it kept going up and going up, and we're we're, we're still on it. But one thing that I was just shocked, I was at Walmart and I was walking through their uh, prescription area and they have test strips called Rely On and there's like for a hundred test trips was eighteen bucks. And I was on one touch and I don't know if I should be saying the brand, but I was paying through my insurance company a hundred and thirty five dollars for a hundred test trips. That's after my insurance company paid. So, uh, I mean, so how much was it, your insurance
4: company paying on top of that?
7: Uh, you know, I don't I don't know. Um, I don't know that was because 'cause I'm not at home, I'm on a cell phone. But but I mean hundred and thirty five dollars compared to eighteen? And I thought, Okay, they must be there there must be a it must be a bad a bad meter or a bad test strip. And so I asked them, and they said, oh, no, the Diabetes uh, Center actually promotes our our test strips. So I asked the lady, I said, well, why why are yours so much cheaper? And they said, well, we make our own test strips, and we pass that savings on to our customers. And I I thought, that's just crazy for me to spend another $110 for the same amount of strips. Uh, and then the uh, the insulin um, every now that we're on those, this Obamacare stuff, every January and February and March, my deductible is forty five hundred dollars. I got to pay the first forty five hundred dollars out of pocket, and so my my meta, my all my medicines, my insulin and everything else. It only takes me the first three months of the year to meet my dedu- my my deductible before they'll pay eighty um, percent of the remainder, and so every January I've got to have that much money in the bank before, otherwise I won't get my medicine, right. which means which is really bad.
3: Millions so, of Americans are in this situation.
7: I how how you can you guys. explain? Since you're the expert, how are these poor people that are diabetic, with their deductibles? I'm hearing these high deductibles, like four to six thousand dollars. That they're poor and they're only making fifteen thousand dollars a year. How are they getting a break on their deductibles?
3: If they make below two hundred and fifty percent of the federal poverty level, there's uh, you get. Uh, your premiums, and you get some assistance with uh, out of pocket medical costs. It's kind of scaled on how much one would make. I'd have to look at their numbers for sure, but to answer your question, yes, but to some it's still not enough because these deductibles are so high. So maybe it was a $12,000 deductible, but they get some assistance with that. It still knocks it down to four, and that's still a lot of money for a lot of people. And we've how cited up,
7: How are they coming up with $4,000?
3: Right. And say there's statistics that have come out recently and we've talked about them on this program how the uh, amount of of money like you said that that Americans have to come up with to meet their deductible uh, exceeds the savings of literally I'm not going use yeah I'm not going to use the the term vast majority because our politicians use it so much, but yes, almost everybody out there, uh, their deductible is probably more than they have on hand. Well, and here's, in savings. The,
4: and here's the problem with that is that's also driving, if you look at medical collections, it's driving the medical collections programs through the roof. And so you see all of these different collection agencies doubling and tripling their staff because all of the number of medical uh, collections are going through the roof because people can't afford to pay for the uh, care that they're trying to receive. And if you miss one payment, certain—I'm
3: not going to name any names—but they'll just send you. If you just miss one payment, they'll send you right to collections. Mm-hmm. You know.
7: Yep. Oh uh, well, I heard you guys talking about the Prilosec uh, medication. Mm-hmm. Yes. And I mean, this is on a different note, but my mom was ninety some years old, and she was in a nursing home. And I won't tell you which one because they were very good, but they use a third-party company. To uh, get their their drugs from, and my mom was on my the doctor ordered Prilosec, and they charged her. I I was doing the bills for. Her. I get a bill from this medical company for a hundred and eighty some dollars for ten Prilosec pills, and I called them and I said, "What are you thinking?" And they said, "Oh well, you, this is what this is not the." The, the stuff that you would get over the counter. And I said, no, that's not true. I, I, I checked with the doctor. And and so I checked. The doctor said, well, we'll just take her off it. But it was hundred and eighty nine 180 some dollars for this spec And I checked at, the, at, at Walmart and other stores, and they all were like $10, $15. Bucks.
4: Well, and that's the cost of all the different crazy staff and everything that gets built into the uh cost of the pill and it's outrageous what we end up having to pay for some of these insurance companies to actually provide medication and so thank you so much for your call rich uh we uh, look forward to uh t- taking that discussion we have a line open at 402-342-1290 and we'll be back right after the break
2: Are you feeling overwhelmed, depressed, or angry? Is your child or teenager acting out? Healing Tree Counseling wants to help. Located at 10th and Dodge, Healing Tree offers individual, family, and couples therapy. Bill and Laura are exceptional at working with children and adolescents. Ask around. They have a great reputation. Healing Tree accepts most insurance companies. They offer flexible payment plans and are confidential. Their personalized service and unique office sets them apart from larger agencies. Visit HealingTreeOmaha.com for more information.
1: They say every business should have an elevator pitch. Here's ours. We are E.D. Bellis, a consulting company specializing in healthcare reform, helping businesses navigate the new law. For more, go to healthreformexplained.com.
6: Not only are we going to New Hampshire,
0: we're going to South Carolina
6: and Oklahoma and Arizona and North Dakota and New Mexico. We're going to California and Texas and New York. We're going to South Dakota, and Oregon, and Washington, and Michigan, and then we're going to Washington, D.C. to take back the White House.
0: You want me on that wall. You need me on that wall. You are listening to America's Healthcare Challenge with Sean McGuire. Join the conversation at 402-342-1290 or at 800-577-1290. Once again, direct from the American heartland, here's your host, Sean McGuire.
3: Welcome back to America's Healthcare Challenge. Uh, We're going to be taking a couple more calls. Uh, Jim, you're up next. Uh, By the way, uh, check out facebook.com slash americashealthcarechallenge in the meantime for... uh, one of my favorite segments of all time, which I posted on there, Obamacare Rock and Roll Hits. Uh, I don't know if you've heard that one, Alan, but it's one of my favorites. Oh, I, so, was,
4: I remember the show. We were, were there. It, yeah. We were there. Yes. That was, what, three years ago? Yeah. Season we We've been two. doing this
3: for a while. Uh, Jim, you're on the show. How's it going today?
8: Hey, Sean and Alan. Thanks for taking my call. Yep. Um, the reason I'm calling is I had a chance to talk to your producer, Matt, last week after your show. I was commenting to him on his remarks that he made about Bernie Sanders last week. About he liked the idea that Bernie Sanders are all upset about the health insurance industry and the pharmaceutical companies. And in our conversation, I, I, me, me and you, Sean, had a conversation about this about six months. I don't know if you remember me talking to you about this on your show about the and you kind of seemed to agree with me. I, I just wanted to see if you still agree with me. I'm not sure if you remember or not, but I was looking at the. Um, the hearings that they had before the Affordable Care Act, and they had the um, insurance companies and the pharmaceuticals, doctors, and basically hospitals pitch it, putting in their say of what they thought should happen to health care. But if I'm not mistaken, Sean, didn't you had, uh, at one time agree that I, when we were talking that um, that those industries, all four of them, basically got special special arrangements by the government. They they had their lobbyists in there making laws with the the legislative branch of our federal government. Isn't that kind of agreeable?
3: Yeah, that's why I'm so upset because like United Healthcare has the best lobbyists of them all and now they're looking at pulling out of Obamacare.
8: Okay, with those agreements, wouldn't that be kind of why our health care before the Affordable Care Act was so high? I think so. Okay, now now that the Affordable Care Act was passed, um With the agreements, I'm sure. I think I recall hearing on your show last week, or hearing somewhere, that the uh, the pharmaceuticals and insurance companies said that they would agree with the federal government that they would not um, push the idea of the Affordable Care Act. They, They would not, you know, they
3: would not lobby against them. Basically, they would not
8: lobby against them. They would not lobby for it. They would just kind of keep quiet. Correct. Okay. Was there agreements made during those hearings? Were there agreements made? to pass that Affordable Care Act with those industries that they were going to benefit in one way or another?
3: Yeah, I mean, this all happened at the White House, but yes, they got... Okay, uh,
8: so not only that, but since the Affordable Care Act is, is passed, um, the federal government gives subsidies to the American people that it can't afford health care. So when that happens with the government paying into to that, doesn't wouldn't those four industries raise their prices as high as they want because they know they're going to get paid?
4: you would think so okay well so think about Jim think about it this way what what is the cost of uh, college done since this since uh, the federal government's gotten into, involved in it
8: same thing that's what I'm getting at yep exactly so that's exactly what I'm getting at so if we're talking about this and we are agreeing with this and your your call your listeners on your radio that you're doing this show on if they're hearing this if the American people have heard this over and over again why are we constantly just talking about it and not actually doing something about
4: it? Because the question is, will we elect people who actually will do what we ask? Is that or, Alan saying that? Yeah. Alan, or, or, or are we going to keep electing the same people over and over again who say one thing, and then when they get into Washington, D.C., do another.
8: Alan, you and me are part of, a, of the same organization. You know which one I'm talking oh, about. Oh, yes, I know. Okay. Now, we we that in that organization, we have stepped up as an individual. You heard me speak last Tuesday. You knew what I said. Yep. Now, if we were to sit there, and I didn't get a chance to mention this last Tuesday night, but if we were to actually get together and uh, tell our delegation from straight state of Nebraska, as we've done on one resolution already, but do other resolutions that we would push our delegation to do something. And if our delegation won't do it, we go to the media and we explain what we try to get done. Mm -hmm. Now, do you think that something might happen if we did that?
4: Well, I think that I think I think something would happen. But I also think that we have a really good representative in the Senate already who we need to keep pressing on. Senator sass to do the right thing. He came out earlier this week, and and blasting a uh, blasting Trump right. uh, for some of his stands. And so I think if we can elect the right people, yeah, then we can do the but right that, okay, thing. Let but let it's me, a matter of holding them accountable for what they do. Let
8: me let me say the last that I want to say on this, uh, because with that being said, everything being said, <clears throat> I guess I obviously have to do a lot more research than I've done in in the past. I did a little quick research before I called your show today. I looked up a uh, timeline is called timeline history of the u.s Healthcare system it's on uh if anybody's listening or even sean and alan if you want to check this out it's on midlevelu.com i don't know if you ever heard that before but they actually talk about the line timeline early 1900s 1912 what happened in 1912 to 1920 i mean if i could quickly go through some of this and i don't know how much time you guys got uh, We
3: got about 30 seconds 30
8: seconds i'll do the best i can uh, Early 1900s, organized medicine begins. uh, physicians band together to create the American Medical Association, beginning a powerful influence over health care legislation. Call that medical, medical, AMA is what you talked about earlier today. Call them what they are to, to affect legislation. They're a faction, okay? U.S. lawmakers in that same period, U.S. lawmakers choose not to make legislation surrounding the health insurance policy. That's only an example of what this thing talks about This on this uh, website that I just told you about. They even talk about something about Nixon to, to uh, the cost of health care expe- increases after the passage of the Medicare and Medicaid in 1960s. President Richard Nixon signs the Health Ma- Maintenance Organization Act to help reduce costs. So there's legislation and things have done. I can't go through all this because we ain't got time. Yeah. But yeah. there's things that's been done through the health care of the history of our country. If we understand the history of our health care system, we can understand why we're at where we're at today.
3: Yes, it didn't happen overnight. No, uh, it didn't. Hey Jim, thanks so much for your time. We got another caller. I've been patiently waiting. Uh, appreciate it. Uh, Sue, welcome to America's Healthcare Challenge. Thank you for calling in. How are you?
9: I'm good. How are you? Not too bad. Great, What's going thanks. on? You know, about 15 years ago, I sat for my insurance license just because I wanted to to see the real guts of the policies. And
7: mm-hmm. things.
9: And I only sold two policies, but that wasn't the point. You know, the point was just to learn more. And the policy, one of the policies I sold, I sold to a guy. He, was, he had started his own business. He was a chimney sweep. He had two two kids and a wife. Uh, she was working, but the policy at work was costing him a lot. Right. And her his accountant had said you know you work on your cash flow he said buy one of those hsas mm-hmm. so i i sold him one and it was it had it had a five thousand dollar deductible and it had uh it was only 250 a month well then i went back and looked at the type of policies you get you know if you work for a big company or something where you could have a five hundred dollar deductible and you know copays and blah 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 all this stuff and they would be you know that would be about 750 a month for him and so when you figured out with the HSA, he was saving 6000 a year, you know, from a premium
7: mm-hmm. for a
9: $5,000 deductible. But when you look at it from the aspect of the agent, the commission is triple if you stop at $750. <laughs> you know, right. so so right. The, the, the emphasis from the agent's point of view is, you know, let's, let's sell them the high price policy because our commission is a lot higher. And I think that might be what's happening in a lot of these businesses because they just don't, you know, they don't work with the, with the, you know, they don't explain it to their staff.
3: Do you know what we call those people? Spreadsheeters.
9: (laughs) Yeah, exactly. I I understand that. I had a, I had a medical savings account for a while and, and a health savings account and, um, you know, it came time for my mammogram. You know, I asked my doctor for three providers. She gave me the names. I called them up. You know, they varied in price. I think uh, there was one uh, behind the, it was in an office building. It was a doctor in an office building behind the Holiday Inn. And it was $85. And when I went in, you know, they didn't have the the locked steel door for your purse and everything. You know, they just had little curtains. They drew shut. You carried your stuff with you. And they had uh, cloth gowns. There was a washer dryer in the hallway back to the women's dressing room. You know, it's just it was a very friendly place. And when I talked to the technician, you know, she was just she showed me some my mammogram. We talked about I mean, just stuff that doesn't happen in a big you know sterile environment. And and I kept going back to her until that doctor retired and she moved to Midland. So you know, it's just we just uh, we turn this thing upside down. It's not really health care anymore.
4: No, and that's what we've talked about a lot on this show is that the Affordable Care Act it was more insurance reform than health care reform, no,
9: and exactly. it's flipped
4: everything on its lid. And
9: When Hillary, when Hillary was uh, working on it, her Hillary Care plan, right. she had the nation divided into four sectors, and at that time I had... Been diagnosed with a tumor on my balance nerve, which required brain surgery. Right. And in Omaha, the, they saved your existing hearing in 25% of cases, but in at House Air Clinic in L.A., it was it was uh, 70%. And they did; they saved my hearing. I have no headaches, no problems. Right. And I actually think it saved the insurance company money because I was only in intensive care for one day out there, mm-hmm. where it was going to be two here. And the surgery was much shorter because he had a whole different technique that he went through. Right. And uh, and the people here assigned a resident to, to check on his uh, procedure because they want to spread the wealth of information around, you know. But today, I don't know that that would
7: happen.
4: All right. And let's, you know, you talk about Hillary Clinton and her health care uh, ideas. Who remember the Harry and Sally ads? Yeah. And that scuttled that whole plan right from the very start. So, Right. Yeah. Uh, thank you so much, Sue, hey, for Hey, Sue, th-
3: can you hang on for the line? I wanted to ask you something yep. uh, sure. real quick. Uh, okay, we've got one more second, just enough time for our final thoughts. Maybe a chance to talk a little politics here, Alan, uh, on okay. the program. 402-342-1290. I guess you're just going to have to put that in your phone for next week because we're probably not going to be able to get to any more phones today, but we will give you our predictions next
1: E.D. Bellis is a healthcare reform consulting company with valuable information that is up-to-date and easy to understand. We have solutions to manage compliance, minimize penalties and taxes, and all other options. Check out healthreformexplained.com. Research shows moving is one of the most stressful events in a person's life. But thanks to Two Men in a Truck, it doesn't have to be. They have everything you need to move. A courteous professional staff who will customize your move, which includes a no-obligation estimate, a schedule to fit your convenience, and all the necessary packing supplies. And Two Men in a Truck will help you watch your budget, too. Don't stress. Let Two Men in a Truck handle your home or business move. Go to twomeninatruck.com. Two Men in a Truck selected Best of Omaha for nine years straight with an A-plus rating from the Better Business Bureau.
5: be personally trained by me, Sean McGuire. Click
3: healthreformexplained.com.
0: You are listening to America's Healthcare Challenge with Sean McGuire. Join the conversation at 402-342-1290 or at 800-577-1290. Once again, direct from the American heartland, here's your host, Sean McGuire.
3: Welcome back to America's Healthcare Challenge. Had an Iowa caucus last week. Uh, I, My predictions were pretty close. I predicted that, uh, I didn't want to call a winner, but I uh, predicted that Rubio would be a surprise, which he really did close. Strong. He really
4: outperformed the Des Moines Register Bloomberg poll, where they had him, I believe, at 14%, and he finished at, what, 23 I yeah. believe? So right. he was up nine over what the poll numbers show. So he really did do a great job and outperformed the polls.
3: Went to a forum up at the press club. Where we had a t- discussion on uh, social media and politics, and it was really interesting because I still think TV advertising and politics is, is still number one for getting name ID, and I think that's because Marco had a pretty solid presence on TV.
4: Oh, yeah. I mean, if you were in Des Moines, every other ad was every ad was political. And so, uh, whether it was the candidate actually running at or the Super PACs, you know, you have 14 different candidates on both sides. So, it was crazy out there. And Marco Rubio did definitely have a really good ground game and they outperformed the polls. So, we'll see what happens in New Hampshire on Tuesday.
3: It's Tuesday?
4: Tuesday, yep. Super Tuesday
3: will probably be here before we know it. It'll be interesting to see which ones will be still in the
4: fray. Yep, you'll have probably four, maybe five. Left at that point, I believe. So we'll see what happens with Super Tuesday.
3: And the Democrats had their town forum this week. I yes. watched some of that and it was pretty entertaining.
4: Yeah, it's always entertaining to see Bernie and Hillary go at each other on the Wall Street stuff and the health care stuff and the crony capitalism. So, yep, more to come on the Democrats. Yep. So we will have analysis of the New Hampshire primary,
3: plus whatever else catches our attention. Uh, in between now and then. If you would like to follow us to get more information on this on a daily basis, just go ahead and like the America's Healthcare Challenge Facebook page, and we will reach out to you about our exclusive newsletter. We'll see you next time.
0: 1290 is going local for lunch. The late morning show with Matt Tompkins on the mighty 1290 KOIL Omaha.
2: BC News. I'm Michelle Franzen. The debate stage is set. The candidates are ready to square